Hey, my name is Colton. I'm one of the servant leaders here at Ethos. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast today. We hope that you can lean in and enjoy this message. Um, I've got a I've got a really good friend of mine. Uh, his name is Nick Nye. Uh, some of you may be even familiar with his name. He helped, or he planted rather, Veritas Church um, over a decade ago downtown, three campuses. Nick is he's just he's a great man. Like I. I just love Nick. There's a humility about him. There's an honor that he carries as it relates to the way in which he interacts with other people. And there's just a love and a passion for the kingdom of God, like like the kingdom at large, like the capital C church, as it's often referred to, not just, you know, not just trying to build your castle, but really all about just building the kingdom here in Columbus. He loves our city deeply. He loves God fervently. He loves people relentlessly. I'm just telling you, you're going to love Nick. And for quite some time, as I've gotten to know him better, I just knew like his voice was a voice that I wanted to be a part of ethos like I really think that one of one of the greatest responsibilities I have as the pastor here is to ensure that there's a well-roundedness of people there's a well-roundedness of gifts that are speaking into our community here at ethos and so I'm really excited to share with you today my friend Nick Nye so as Nick makes his way up to the platform today can y'all do me a massive favor Put your hands together and welcome my friend Nick Nye to the stage as he presents God's word to us today. Nick, I love you. I cannot wait to be back with you all this All right. Well, I don't know if he should be fired for lying or not, but like half of what he said was true. But I'm really thankful to be here with you all. My name is Nick, and uh, it, yeah, it's such it's such an honor. I can't tell you how much I respect. And I just love Jordan and you guys as a church. Uh, I've just I've been really grateful to see the the work of God through you and in you. Um, one of the things I really love about just being spending time with Jordan is um, he's asking deeper questions. A lot of pastors I meet with, you know, they're they're wanting to learn the tricks and the tips and how to do church life and that kind of thing. But Jordan is really asking deep questions of God and, and, uh, and, and the soul of the church, which I think is just really important and good. And, and so one of the things that, uh, we, that I get to do today is talk a lot about our work. Now, it's interesting because um, he couldn't have given me more of an epic topic, right? Something a little bit more awesome, like, hey, can you come talk about God's grace, God, Jesus' love? But he says, hey, why don't you come and talk about work? And some of you are like, oh, that, that sounds really boring. And uh, I know it's kind of a boring topic, um, but that's just kind of who I am. I love to talk about boring things. And so that's what I'm going to be getting into. Um, I want us to really dig into a theology of work. What does God think about our work? Um, and, and I know last week, Pastor Jordan teed it up with, um, and so I, I just encourage you to check that out and really, really get us going. But I want to dwell on one simple sentence today from Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. One sentence that I think really gets us uh, in this place where we're thinking about what does God think about our work. So let's hear the word of God for all the people of God. And it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. Can I just read that again? The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it. And keep it. Well, I have four kids, 
And I can confidently say I've seen the movie Wally more than anybody in this room. I've seen it so many times. Uh, I mean, maybe it's kind of a little older now, but I hope some of you remember it. Maybe some of you have never even seen it. But in the movie, you have these uh, boneless kind of baby adult likes floating around with a computer screen in front of them and they're talking to everybody in their uh, computer screen and they're all filing in lines watching the screens and chatting to one another and uh and, and as i was thinking about that idea i was like that is pretty much what 2020 was like right Right, we all just sat and we're kind of getting a little chubbier and uh, our bone density I'm sure is getting smaller, but basically it was 2020. If they were six feet apart, I'd start looking for more clues, but um, uh, the, the movie is interesting because these adult babies literally aren't doing anything. They're just hovering around and they're consuming. Now, I know uh, that some of you are like, oh, that actually sounds pretty cool. I, I don't, I'm, I'm happy with that life. If we get there, that's okay. But Wally is a really great picture of what happens to our humanity when we stop working, when we stop contributing. No opportunity to connect to each other in real life. No picture of reality. I mean, you got to remember, they were on this spaceship and they forgot why they were on the spaceship. They forgot completely what happened in their, their history and all of that. They couldn't even walk. I mean, you remember the end? They, they're just rolling around. It's terrible. They're giant babies. It's because we were made to work. We're made to work, to put our hands to the plow, to have an earthly purpose of contributing to the good of humanity. And in the foundation, the foundational book of Genesis, right at the beginning of the Bible, Adam and Eve were put in the garden to work it and to keep it, to have dominion over it. But just like in Wally, they lost dominion, and then they lost their humanity. They lost a huge piece of their humanity. And listen, when we lose our humanity, when we lose dominion, we essentially lose humanity. David Miller states in his book, God at Work, many who are Christians complain of a Sunday-Monday gap where their Sunday worship hour bears little to no relevance to the issues they face in their Monday workplace hours. Is that you? And sometimes you feel like Sunday is just a thing that you do. Like it's, it's a nice change of pace sometimes to come and sing at the top of your lungs and to raise your hands and to pray. It's a nice thing, but does it have, it doesn't have much vision for Monday. My hope today is that we can close that gap a little bit. And there's two callings I want to look at. Our calling to God. That's our calling to our relationship with Jesus, our Lord, that influences everything we do. And our calling to work. That is to put our hands around something in this world. To get after it. But let me note that these two things can't be separated too much. They, we're we're going to parse them out a little bit, but to, to view work outside of a theological framework that is outside of our relationship to God is inevitably to devalue both our work and you as the worker. So with that said, let's jump into uh, look at our first calling to God. So first, God, let's think about him. 
Let's, I mean, it's a great Sunday school answer, right? Everything is all about God. So you, you can say, any question, the answer is God. So let's start with him, all right? God do, desires to work in us. He desires to work in us. He wants to work in us, not just through us, right? Oftentimes we think God working through me, but God wants to work in us. God's desire is to work in us by transforming us and into more and more into the likeness of Jesus, his son. I mean, that, that's a sermon right there. That's a whole series actually right in there. God's work. But let's get to some context to our verses. God worked to create creation, the heavens, the earth. Verse 4, chapters 1 and 2. Not only the dirt and the clouds, but God created you and I. He created humanity, Adam and Eve. And he calls us image bearers. God created humanity to resemble him, to be in his likeness. And he did this so that we could have relationship with him. Because he himself is a relational God. He is triune. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And as Os Guinness highlights, our primary calling as followers of Christ is by him, to him, and for him. First and foremost, we are called to someone. Not to something or to somewhere. We are called to someone. And when we think of vocation or working, our first move then is got to be Godward. When we're thinking about what we do here on earth, our purpose, we must start looking to God. No matter what our vocation, you have to or whether uh, how big of a deal you think you are in your career or in the marketplace. As a Christian, we are called to engage in our relationship with Jesus and to work that. Work the relationship. Everything we're, we do is a, a calling to work this relationship that we have with God. Why? Because God's work... His role, his passion, his heart is to plow in us. Let me, let me put it this way. God's cubicle is you. God's field is you. His garden is you. His Zoom meeting room is you. He is working in you. He wants to work in you. We can't overlook this. Because often uh, we've got our eyes fixed on this project or the kids and the craziness at home, those deadlines. And we miss God. We miss what he is doing. Or maybe you try to shut him out or you just try to push him away or you try to ignore him or you try to numb it somehow. You, you ignore it. But there is this communion to him that God is inviting us into. He is calling us to see the work that he is doing in our lives. How often do you stop and just think about that? Just reflect on that. So when life is just really awful or when we are in relational breakdowns, uh, when, with our family or with friends or when we lost our job 
or when we just feel miserable seeing the sin of the world on full display in the news, our first call is to seek God and look for the work that he is doing even in the pain. His work is to get us to find union with himself. His work is to bring us into relationship with Jesus Christ. His work is to open the deepest chambers of our heart to experience the good life that nothing in this world will ever give you. No job will ever give you. No career will ever give you. His work is to fill us with justice, fill us with righteousness and gentleness and joy and hope and love. We are not going to find that anywhere else. We're not going to find that in any other career because you are first and foremost called to someone. The Lord, his work in you. We got to start there. And listen, if, if you can make this your life's vision, if you can go there, if you're willing to go there, our work in this world will be radically different. The way we live it out, walk it out every day will be completely different. Not necessarily what we do, but who we are. Who we are is going to be different and changed. Now, let's see how that might be different. Let's look at the second calling to work, our second calling. We're called to work in God's world, our vocation, our job. And this is where it might feel like the rubber meets the road a little bit. Okay, we, we're looking Godward, but what does that mean for my everyday life, our career? Now, listen, I'm not just talking uh, to successful business leaders here, Right? Well, career sounds fancy, like sounds a little white collar, right? But this is to everyone. Our work, whatever it is, if you're a, a cook on a line, if you're typing code, if you're taking out the trash, if you're running a Fortune 50, if you're wiping kids' noses, we cannot separate our sacred worship of God from our secular work. There's no sacred and there's no secular in God's economy, all right? Gilbert Meliander, he's a bioethicist, and I know uh, quoting a bioethicist in church is always a strange thing, but he's also a theologian. And he says, to regard work as a calling is to suggest that we live to work, that our work is of central significance for our persons. Still more, the calling gives to work a religious significance, which is not likely to acquire in any other way. I know these fancy words he's saying, Work brings religious significance to us by contributing to creation as God intended. Now, I'm saying this positively. Work brings this sort of religious life to us. And I know, I know sometimes we make work our religion. I know we cross that line. But, we're not, but are we willing to see the work that we do as holy and religious, because your work, it matters to God. It matters to him. It's not about what we work or the importance of your role or the power that you hold in your office. Whatever that is, it matters to God because work was designed for us to be a reflection of who God is. 
So when I, when I was young, I had this strange urge to get all kinds of these random jobs because I wanted to learn a lot of different life skills. So I had the normal jobs of office administrator and folding shirts and washing dishes. Um, but I also had some unusual jobs. One of those unusual jobs was as, as a butcher's assistant. Like a butcher kind of is cool, but a butcher's assistant, that basically just means you clean up after the butcher. And if you can imagine, that's kind of gross. Actually, it was horribly gross. It was disgusting. But I also had a job where I was a bookkeeper for this multi-million dollar uh, home health company. Very random, very different jobs. And I look back at all those jobs, especially cleaning the butcher shop, and I think work is actually pretty miserable. <laughs> how, many, how many of you think that? I mean, my job kind of sucks. Like, you're like, I, okay, I get your whole theology of work, and I get that, you know, it matters to God, but dude, you don't know what I do. I mean, I can't imagine applying this when I was a, a butcher's assistant, but work has to be a result of the sin, of sin, of some kind of evil, that we weren't made for that. I'm okay with being the, 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 the uh, baby-like adult just being strolled around on an electronic chair, right, like in Wally. We're not made for this, but... It isn't like that. It isn't like that. I mean, work has to be earthy. It has, there, there, there's toil. There's sweat. It has to make us tired. The simplest work to the most complex. All of that is important to God. And he made you to engage in the work. But not only to get after it, but ultimately to find a way to worship God in it. Find some kind of way to worship God in it. But not only... Um, uh, well, let me just break it down. Let me break it down a little bit into three pieces. Because I think that might help make this a little more tangible. I want us to see that work is worship. That work is good. And that work is culture making. And then we'll zoom out and see if these all come together. So in Genesis 2.15, the term work is powerful to see throughout the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament. Um, and I, I saw that Pastor Jordan last week got into some Hebrew. So I was like, oh, good. So I'll get into some Hebrew as well. Um, but work is avada, which means to cultivate. It is used in a lot of different contexts throughout the Old Testament, uh, from the back-breaking, brick-layering work that the Egyptians did in slavery that we read about in Exodus 1, to the artisans building the tabernacle in Exodus 35, where they're painting and they're, they're, they're um, building art. But the word also is used as a way to talk about working to lead people in worship. So worship leaders. So if you thought Jordan or I don't have real jobs, you'd be partially right. But also there's some biblical precedents that we actually do have real jobs. So back off. All right. Uh, getting coffee, sorting through all the church problems. That is work. Um, it's right here in the Bible. But to capture the fullest sense of Avada, we have to see that it is the place where work and worship and service are all interconnected. We have to see work, you know, getting after it, worship, 
and service, serving some others, where it all interconnects, where it all crashes together. That is where we capture this Hebrew word. That's where we really get to what the meaning is, to work it and keep it. Now, I know we have often confined worship to just singing songs, right? Coming here on Sunday. And those things are certainly uh, part of our worship. But what do you think God has in mind? God wants you to go worship not just at ethos, right? You say, I'm going to ethos this morning to worship. But he's actually wanting you to see that you are going to chase to worship on Monday. You're going to go to Starbucks to worship. Not worship Starbucks, not worship Chase, not worship those things. But you're going to worship God on Monday. Maybe you could send a text out to a friend tomorrow. Actually, I want to encourage you to do this. Send a text out to your friend if you know where they work and say, hey... I hope you have fun at Chase worshiping God today, right? We need that reminder because we go not just to church to worship, we go to our job to worship God. Dorothy Sayers, she's a a poet and a crime writer and, and breaks this idea down better than anybody I've read. But she says, the church must remember this, that every maker and worker is called to serve God in their profession or trade, not outside of it. The only Christian work is good work well done. So our work has to be worshiped to God. And we must find ways to work that. But I also want us to see that our work is for our good. God made many things that is good for humanity. It's it's important as rest. It's as important as friendship, food, water even. Sexuality and ethics and beauty. If we don't have worshipful, meaningful work, there's an emptiness. If you go to the hospital or a retirement center, often you'll find people who are there who are just trying to figure out how to work. Even if they can't contribute at the moment, you'll hear them longing for some way to get after it, to cultivate, to bring some good into this world. So our second calling to work means our work is worship, our work is good, and finally, I want to see that our work is culture-making. What we do is changing the culture. Now, I love the outdoors. I love backpacking, hiking, mountain biking, anything outside, but I know nothing of gardening. uh, Our family, we're not very good at gardening, and I wish uh, we were, but we're not. And um, it's hard to get after gardening in the right way. I mean, you can plant seeds, but there's a getting the soil right, making sure the light is right. And there's a sort of work that has to be done to get the most fruit. This pattern of cultivating is set by God. He wants us to live like that, where we're rearranging, where we're working things so we get the maximum amount of fruit. Uh, One pastor, Tim Keller, says, it's in a rearranging of the raw material of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and the people in particular thrive and flourish. That's what the gardener does. That's what the gardener does. This pattern, this design applies to all our work. So what I want you to see is... Your vocation, again, isn't about making money. It's not about power. It's not about these things. But God desires our vocation to 
uh, have us make and shape a more fruitful culture around us. Now, our work can actually shape the culture of Columbus. Seriously, it, it, better than any missions program that Ethos will ever run, better than any nonprofit that started, better than any weekend evangelism pursuit. Imagine if every one of you went to your work on Monday. And you saw whatever job that you were doing as an opportunity to cultivate and change and worship God in it. And that it was good and that you could honor God and that you could think of strategic ways to rearrange what you do so that it maximizes glory to God. Think about that as a way of changing the city. If every one of you did that, it would absolutely change this whole city. Now, what I'm doing here is I want to drive home a reality that work matters. It's God's design. It's worship. It's good. It's culture making. And we need to see God all over this. So step back. See the big picture. We're first called to God. And we're second called to work. Now, don't compartmentalize these too much, even though I did a little bit. But they go together. And they have to go together. And when they do go together, we then explode with this image of God in our life. We live it out. The Imago Day, What it truly means to be human. Now, it's no accident that for most of Jesus' life, he was a carpenter. I actually thought about really anchoring us in there, but there's really not much scripture, right? But Jesus worked for 30 years before he came on the scene. That's our king. That's our savior. He thought it was important to make cabinets and tables and work with his hands and build stuff and have community and relationship. He knows what it's like to work. Now, I know that uh, some of you may be thinking, well, you know, like I, I'm out of job right now and this is kind of a hard to hear. I want to pray for you that you can find that job, that you can cultivate and you work it. Some of you are like, you don't understand my, how terrible my job is. I want to pray for you as well. I want to... Pray for new strategies to worship God in the crappiness of your job. Uh, some of you are like, you don't understand my boss, how mean they are. Maybe you're that mean boss here. Um, listen, there's so many things going on in our everyday life that have to connect to our Sunday worship and our life here. And we can't do that without looking at Jesus. I mean, Jesus, he is working. He is working. He lived this perfect life before the Father. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He was making disciples. He rose from the dead. There's all kinds of work that Jesus did so that he could be in us, so that he could live it out through us, so that he could work it in us. And I know there's a lot of tips and tricks we can put in action when it comes to our vocation, but the best point of action is taking the work of Jesus that he is doing in you and letting him work it out every day. And where, wherever you go, whatever work you're doing. So today, take Jesus.
Take Jesus and listen. I know some of you may need some prayer and I want to pray for you. But I want to call you today just to take Jesus. Take him. Let him work in you. So let's pray. Father, I know there's many who are thinking all kinds of things about their job. They're thinking about uh, the work they have, maybe some dread. Things have gotten real shaken up over the last few years. Um, Maybe there's a few here who have lost their job and are really struggling to find that. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would meet them where they are. But God, I pray that your Holy Spirit, as you, Spirit, are meeting them where they are, I pray that you would lift them up, give them a new vision for their work, help them to see how the the strategies and the movement can bring you more glory, that can bring more fruit, that can help them work harder, that can help them serve their coworkers better, that can help them build a better product, whatever it might be. Lord, would you give them new vision right now for the way that they are going into Monday? Yeah, Lord, we know that you care about these things. Lift our eyes to you, who's the ultimate worker in our life. In Jesus' name we pray.